Welcome to the first ep- episode of the podcast of All Sports with Ty. Just to give you guys a little background information about myself, I've been working as a golf professional for the last five years. Uh, I've been here in southwest Florida for the past two years, and I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for the two years prior to that. Um, golf and sports has always been a passion of mine. You know, I played baseball, football, basketball, golf, all the sports pretty much growing up. And I'd say, yeah, I'd say sports is my life, pretty much. So that's what really brought me to do this podcast and try to just share my information with all you guys and my viewpoints, and hopefully we can make this thing big. <coughs> so this is the first episode, and this is mainly going to be about professional sports return post-COVID. Everyone knows COVID's hit America, and, you know, we've lost millions and millions of jobs the economy crashed stock market crashed it's just been really bad it had over 150,000 deaths in the country not not a good time for us in america and it, hopefully sports can at least bring a little bit of joy and a little bit of distraction back to some people who really need it we've had several big sporting events this year canceled like the NCAA basketball tournament who many people, including myself, love to watch. 64-team round-robin tournament. I mean, it's single elimination. It's really, you know, really interesting to watch these young kids um, play this game that they love, and it's a really big deal, and so we miss that. The Masters being pushed back to November, we're still hoping that they get that in. That's going to be kind of interesting how they um, play that whenever it's nice and cool up in Augusta, Georgia. The Kentucky Derby was canceled. That has not been canceled in hundreds of years. <coughs> the first sport to return post-COVID was the PGA Tour. <coughs> it's actually been a pretty exciting PGA Tour season so far. <coughs> and we had the, um, the match two between Tiger Woods, Peyton Manning against Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson. Here on the east coast of Florida, that was nice. That was really fun to watch. It gave some spectators, you know, peace of mind and let them just enjoy golf on a Sunday afternoon. And the girls out there probably enjoyed seeing Tom Brady rip his pants. I mean, my girlfriend did. (laughs) And, well, so Tiger got his revenge on Phil Mickelson from that match in Vegas out in 2018 on Thanksgiving when Phil had defeated Tiger in the first match. So in this one, Tiger and Peyton were able to get a little bit of revenge on Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. As we know, Peyton Manning's been losing to Tom Brady his whole career, so hey, good for him. I think the biggest story, though, I mean, in the golf world, has been Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, he's won a tournament, but it hasn't been his play that's really getting the most recognition so the fact that he's come out looking like a middle linebacker in the NFL, hitting a golf ball 350-plus yards every time, it's been really incredible. I don't know if you guys have seen his diet, but he, this, this dude drinks about six protein shakes a day and eats about 4,000 calories a day. It's crazy what this guy has been able to do with this new body. and It's pretty crazy what distance on the golf course can do for you. I know the PGA Tour has come out and said they're trying to lengthen the golf course now, and other golfers are getting mad, like, no, DeChambeau is the exception. He's not the rule. 
So, I, I mean, I think the PGA Tour courses are long enough. They're already 7,500-plus yards. And then now they're talking about wanting to make the golf balls less hot for these guys. It's just – it's crazy. I mean, not all these guys are up there hitting at 350. DeChambeau is, you know, he's a rare specimen on the golf course. But it's been fun to watch him play and see what he can do. He's kind of a geeky scientist on the golf course, you know. I mean, he's a really smart guy. And so he's brought a lot to the golf game. I think golf's in great hands with the young golfers we have today. Um, you know, with John Rahm winning a couple weeks ago, taking over number one spot in the official world golf rankings after his win at the Memorial and his brilliant short game performance he put on that Sunday. Um, and then yesterday with Justin Thomas, his brilliant, brilliant round coming back from four down to win the golf tournament and now Justin Thomas is your world golf number one. But the future of golf is in really good hands with Rom, DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Rory, Spieth, Ricky Fowler, and all these guys. I mean, they're, they're great for the game. I think the game of golf has never been in better hands. If only we could get Tiger and Phil back at that top level, that, I think that would be great for the sport. <coughs> but now let's get into a little baseball here. Yes, we have baseball again. It's been nice, even though with no fans. It's been a little weird. But it, it's it's something at least. You know, I know we had the uh, Korean Baseball League going for a couple months, and that was kind of cool. At least it was something to watch. But I feel like the popularity of that just never really picked up in the United States, including myself. I think I may have watched one or two of those baseball games, and it was only while I was at work, and there was nothing else to watch, you know. So it's been nice. Um, you know, my, my favorite team is Houston Astros. And what they've had to deal with has been pretty unique so far in this season. Um, they have, out of the 13 relievers, 12 of them are rookie pitchers. So the Astros have the most rookies ever on a baseball team. And they're all pitchers. The only veteran in their bullpen right now is Ryan Presley. They've had several injuries, including Cy Young, two-time Cy Young winner in 2011 American League MVP and 2017 World Series champion Justin Verlander, who's been a real staple of this rotation since he came over in 2017. Verlander only made one start this year on opening day, and then he's been out with forearm soreness. That doesn't sound too good. That sounds like it could be Tommy John surgery. I know he disputed those reports, but it's... Not looking too well for Verlander. That was the same thing that happened to Lance McCullers. You know, he was listed as forearm soreness back in 2018. <clears throat> he did finish the season, but at the, after the end, he ended up having Tommy John surgery. Missed all of 2019 when the Astros could have desperately used him. I think they could have used him out of the bullpen in that game seven last year in the World Series, and I think it would have been a different outcome. Speaking of that, how about Lance McCullers' return from Tommy John? I think he's pitched pretty good so far. He's had a couple rough stretches, a couple rough innings. But, you know, in all in all, he's 2-0 in his returns. So, hey, that's that's huge as the Astros are finally above 500 as they are 5-4 and four through the first nine games, and they have an off day today. But McCullers, he pitched great in that 2017 postseason which the Astros won their first World Series. And then, like I said, he had the Tommy John in 18, missed all of last year. So we're going to... 
we're going to really need McCullers to step in and lead this pitching staff this year without Justin Verlander. <clears throat> can Greeky? Can how about Zach Greinke? Can you think he can lead this team going forward? <clears throat> I mean, this is a guy that's nearly pitched three thousand innings. He's got over twenty six hundred strikeouts, three point three career ERA. He's won a Cy Young Award, six Golden Gloves. He's uh, he's close to the two hundred twenty five win club, which is huge. I mean, it's a small list of professional pitchers. I mean, he's, he's definitely a future Hall of Famer. So can Zach Grank lead this team? I believe he can. He pitched pretty well the other night. <clears throat> he had a perfect game going through five and a third. And just the Astros, bull, the Astros young bullpen was just not able to hang on as they ended up losing in extra innings. <clears throat> and it's kind of crazy how Granke was acquired. He was acquired hit the last second of last year's trade deadline very similarly to the way Justin Verlander was in 2017, which led to that World Series. Unfortunately, Granke's acquisition last year did not result in the Astros World Series championship, but he he helped them a long way, and I think he really provided a um, a support supporting cast for this year. It was a great insurance policy, basically, whenever we lost Garrett Cole. And now without Verlander, the Astros are going to really rely heavily on Zach Greinke and Lance McCullers Jr. to carry this staff going forward, try to push them into the postseason. And who knows, maybe they'll make a trade at the trade deadline. If I'm Dusty Baker or Charlie Click of the Astros, I'm going to go ahead and try to go out and find one more starting pitcher at the trade deadline just to try to give this team an extra push. And who knows, maybe win a World Series because we have all the bats. And <clears throat> this is kind of the last year of the core group of guys you're going to see with the Astros with all the outfielders, Michael Brantley, George Springer, and Josh Reddick hitting free agent market. I don't think you're going to be able to keep any of those guys. Maybe, hopefully they can keep George Springer, but I think the other two are gone. Luckily we have some good young outfielders coming up that I think can plug and play like Kyle Tucker, who's been very hot this season. He's going to be an everyday player. And then Miles Straw with his speed. He can make things happen. I think he'll be your everyday center fielder. Maybe we can move Springer to right and hopefully have Kyle Tucker in left. That would be a solid outfield to continue. But So I think with this year being the last year of that core group of veterans, I think the Astros ought to go out and try to find one more starting pitcher and try to give them a chance to win in a, their second World Series. Now they do have the fifth best ERA in the American League, which has been crazy considering over half of the innings pitched this year have been by rookie pitchers, and the rookies have a combined 1.33 ERA, which is very, very solid. Speaking of rookies, how good is Chris, was Christian Javier in his debut versus the Dodgers a couple of days ago? This man threw five and a third innings scoreless baseball against one of the best offenses in the league. The fact that he was able to do that is pretty incredible. Really incredible there. And then how about yesterday, Framber Valdez coming in relief for Josh James. <clears throat> when he came in relief, he, he came in relief in the fourth inning, and he threw six innings of, uh, well, scoreless baseball other than the extra inning rule. We'll get into that here in a bit about how I don't like that. But this young man, he really impressed me. I, if, if I'm Dusty Baker... I'm going to have to make a little switch in my pitching rotation because Josh James has just proved that he cannot go longer than about two and two-thirds of an inning 
without blowing up. And both of his starts, he blew up in the third inning, gave up three-plus runs. I mean, this guy is – he throws really hard. I think he'd be great as a middle reliever out of the bullpen to bring you some gas and maybe give you, you know, six outs or so. But I don't think he's any good for more than about six outs. Whereas Framber Valdez has proved time after time that he can get all – he can start – just like he did against the Dodgers. He threw very well in his first outing. And it was a great move by bringing him in on the bullpen and letting him really save some innings for the Astros' arms and getting the Astros the win yesterday in the extra innings. <coughs> now let's talk about the Astros' bats. Though the team average is down under 250, <coughs> and your star players like Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, and George Springer have been very cold, Michael Brantley, Martin Maldonado, and Kyle Tucker have really picked up the slack and really helped the Astros' offense in the bottom of the order. Keep going as they're averaging more than as they're averaging about six runs a game, which is really good, really good in professional baseball. We've yet to see Jordan Alvarez this year. What happened to Jordan? I mean, is it the coronavirus? I, we don't know. He's just been a pretty much a undisclosed injury. He's on the list. He has not played yet in the first nine games. I don't think he's going to play in this upcoming series. I think they're going to wait, and hopefully he can join the team whenever they get back to Houston on their homestand because the Astros are missing their designated hitter. Jordan Alvarez was a rookie of the year last year and really helped this team's offense last year get to the World Series and even played well in the World Series. <coughs> so without Jordan, this Astros lineup is not as powerful and dominant as it could be. We've also yet to see Jose Urquidy who had the masterful, masterful performance in Game 4 of the World Series last year in Washington, where he became the second Mexican-born pitcher to ever get a win and pitch in the World Series. So I think Urquidy could be a plug-in at that number three spot on the rotation, three or four right now, and he could really help the staff going forward. We've yet to see him, so there's a little hope here for the Astros. That's if we are able to finish this season. With the amount of COVID cases in the MLB, it's unknown whether or not right now we're even going to be able to finish this year's MLB season. As the Marlins have had 20 positive cases. Yes, 20 positive cases. They're only carrying 30 players on a team, so that's over two-thirds of their team that they're having to call up other young guys, and they're already a young, rebuilding team as it is. So this is a really big blow to Miami. So they have not they have not played other than their first series. They haven't played in about a week and a half or so, and I don't know when the next time you're going to see the Miami Marlins on the field. Same to go with the St. Louis Cardinals, as they've had about seven or eight positive cases. I don't know how they're going to you know, do going forward. They were supposed to be one of the contenders this year in the National League, and, well, we, we don't know. I just, I just hope that they're able to finish this season because if not, it's going to be a big blow to professional sports, Major League Baseball especially considering the um, collective bargaining agreement has not been all that great between the owners and the MLB Players Union. Let's get into a little bit about the uh, extra inning rule I was talking about earlier. I'm not a fan at all of starting extra innings with the runners on second base and no outs. That's just that's not pure baseball. I'm a purist. I like baseball in its purest form. And you know what? You're still seeing games going to the 11th, 12th, 13th inning because both teams are just Hitting, all you got to do is hit two sack flies or lay down a bunt, you know, hit behind the runner and then hit a sack fly and you score a run. Both teams are able to do that. So more times than not, we've been having 
back and forth, and you just keep adding runs every inning. It's, it's, it's not pure baseball. I would much rather see the traditional extra inning rule to where if you score a run, great, that's huge, because then you really put pressure on the home team, not giving a guy, you know, giving a team a runner on second with no outs. That, that's not baseball. That's backyard wiffle ball bull crap. I don't like it, you know, and the Astros have had, what, four extra inning games in their last five? <clears throat> sure, it's bit them in the butt three out of the four times, but you know what? That's not why I like it. I just don't – I just don't think it's baseball. It's just a wacky, wacky rule this year, and I get it. They wanted to try it in a 60-game season. Hey, this is the perfect year to try it. I just – I don't know how it's going to work come postseason. I think you're going to – Really get some wacky results, and I, I just I don't I don't think the players like it either. I know the pitchers definitely don't like it, so I hope this rule gets voted out in the next year's collective bargaining agreement, and I hope we can get back to regular pure baseball and extra innings. I mean, we wouldn't have had like the you know the great classic games we had. You know, brings me back to the the one I can think of the most. The 2004 American League Divisional Series Game 4 in Houston between the Braves and the Astros that went 18 innings. No way that game goes 18 innings, and we have all the excitement we did in that game with this wacky rule. And who knows, maybe the Braves would have won. You may have had a different outcome, and it's not pure baseball. I like pure baseball to where you got to get a base hit, you know, maybe walk a guy, maybe bunt a guy over with no outs, but not the beginning inning, or maybe a fly ball or something, and then a base hit to bring him in. Now all you got to do, I mean, you got runner on second, no outs. You bunt him over to the first base side, bunt the ball, get the guy to third base, one out, and then from there all you got to do is get a, get a fly ball in the outfield and you're, you score a run or a base hit, you score a run. Or you can even bunt again and you score a run. And so you can get two consecutive outs, not even get a hit or a runner on Legilli, and you got to run. That's not baseball. That's not baseball at all. I don't like this rule, and I really hope they abolish this rule after this season. Okay, enough baseball, though. Let's get into NBA's return post-COVID. The Rockets and Mavericks gave you a great game the other night in which Houston defeated Dallas 153-149. to That was pretty and pretty exciting game. What James Harden and Russell Westbrook were able to do to get the Rockets back in the ballgame late in the game and get them a W over Dallas. <coughs> Harden had 49 points that game, along with nine rebounds, eight assists, three steals, and three blocks. This young man is the MVP. I don't care what you say. James Harden has been the MVP of the league, should have been the MVP the last three seasons. Sure, he won one, but he got absolutely screwed two years ago by his now teammate Russell Westbrook whenever he couldn't even barely get his team into the playoffs. He had to get sure he averaged a triple-double, but James Harden led the league in scoring the last three seasons. And he's actually, if you look at his numbers, his defensive numbers are among the best, yet he gets <coughs> dabbed as a guy who doesn't play defense. But look at the numbers. They say otherwise. Hart, Westbrook has been pretty good in his return, too. He scored over 30 points in the first game. And then last night, the Rockets took on Giannis Antetokounmpo, the reigning MVP, as he stole it from James Harden last year. Sports writers were all over him whenever Harden had that incredible 30 points, 30 game streak. It will never be broken again, yet somehow he gets screwed of the MVP. You know, I, I don't get it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. He just said there's a false narrative about James Harden. I think he's one of the best three players in the league. 
with him, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. You give me those guys right now, I'm taking Harden to lead my team. He's the best offensive player in the league right now. But what he was able to do yesterday by defeating the Milwaukee Bucks was pretty incredible as Antetokounmpo came in, you know, as the reigning MVP and the leading MVP candidate this year. Harden outplayed him offensively and defensively. Harden defensively just shut him down and was able to give the Rockets their second consecutive win, bumping them up to fourth in the Western Conference standings. I think if Houston can make a late run here, they can bump themselves all the way up. I see them maybe making a third seed. That would be huge considering that that would give them, you know, there's really no home court advantage, so that doesn't matter. But it would just give them a less, um, you know, less tough – Less tougher opponent in the first couple rounds until they have to meet the Clippers and Lakers, which I think the Rockets will beat the Clippers. I think the Lakers are the tougher team for the Houston Rockets this year. But, well, we'll see. I think the the way the NBA's handled the COVID crisis with the bubble <coughs> has been a lot better than the MLB as they've had less positive cases. They've been able to play these games with nothing, no drawback from this COVID because they've they've kept everybody in Orlando in a bubble so nobody's able to get out and go spread the COVID. So you're keep basically they're keeping them quarantined and just playing basketball towards the MLB's traveling city to city. I wish the MLB would have done the spring training um, locations, leagues that they were talking about doing originally where you have <clears throat> half the teams that train in Florida, play their season all in Florida, and you just stay in Florida. You know how you don't have to even fly any planes. And then the other half play in Arizona, and you just bust to every every venue because I mean your 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 longest travel would be maybe two three hours a piece, maybe you know, and then a lot of times maybe uh, less than an hour, and you don't have to fly, so you're cutting your travel expenses down. Everybody else, all the players already have their spring training facilities, and they're they're already comfortable with that, and they have their houses there, and. You know, they put them up wherever they put them up for spring training. Why not just do that for the season? If you really want to take this serious and finish the season, if you're Rob Manfred, you, you would have done something like that. But he, he chickened out, and the owners and players were unable to agree to that. And so now we got this, and that's why we have this COVID outbreak, I think. But let's get into the MLB power rankings. They just came out yesterday. No surprise, listing is the Los Angeles Dodgers, number one with a 7-3 and three record this season. <coughs> Clayton Kershaw made his first start on Sunday. Um, but Cody MVP Cody Bellinger has been off to a terrible sp- start along with other guys like Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, George Springer. Um, how about Joe Kelly's suspension, though? Eight games? This guy got eight games for starting the fight, and what he did was very rude. It was just unprofessional. We've seen him before. He's a little kid. You know, Joe Joe Kelly's a bitch. Let's just let's leave it at that. He is a bitch. <clears throat> he was a bitch with the Red Sox. He's a bitch with the Dodgers. He's a decent pitcher, sure. But what he did to Correa and it was just uncalled for. And you know what? He was on he did it as part of the payback for twenty seventeen, the Astros sign stealing sca- uh, scandal. Yet he was on a 2018 Red Sox team that did the same thing. So he had, really has no room there to talk and to do what he did. So I'm glad he got eight games. I wish it would have been more. But you know what? Good for him. I hope it really hurts the Dodgers. <clears throat> Moving on to the Yankees in the second spot. They are the hottest team in baseball right now with the best record at 7-1. and one. 
I think the Yankees are going to be the toughest team to beat this season, man, with the addition of Garrett Cole. If they can get Severino back and Tanaka back healthy, <clears throat> and then, you know, your two left-handers, Hap and um, Paxton, I mean, this, that's tough pitching rotation, especially since they don't have any injuries. <clears throat> and then now you have John Carlos Stanton healthy. He's been hot. Aaron Judge has been hot. Yankees are going to be a tough team to beat. As much as I dislike New York, they're, they're going to be a really tough team to beat. Coming in at number three is the Minnesota Twins. They have some offensive power with Nelson Cruz, Marwin Gonzalez, guys like that. They, they're good. <clears throat> you know, Nelson, Nelson Cruz leading the way. And then you also have brought in some veteran pitchers like Kenta Maeda, Rich Hill from the Dodgers to really fill up that rotation. And these guys are good. I think the Twins are for real, man. They should also benefit from the 60-game schedule. It's, they will just, you know, it's, it's less, it's, I don't know, it's just less, basically what, what the 60-game schedule does, it just, it's more of a playoff feel every game. So, and I think the Twins are, are really built for that, considering their lineup, and they have a decent rotation now, so they don't have to worry about a 162-game schedule. They're going to be really good. Taylor Rogers also looks like one of the best in the business, his closer. So I think that... Uh, with their bullpen, the Twins could be a team to watch out for in the American League. Coming in at number four is our Houston Astros. Even though they're five and four, they're right where they were at the preseason ranking. You know, I mean, they're relying on, like I said, they're relying on 13 rookies, including 10 of them being pitchers. So there's certainly some concern about the quality and depth of this pitching staff, especially with Verlander out. And then now with closer Roberto Ozuna and Chris Davinsky. So the only healthy veteran non-rookie pitcher is Ryan Presley. And he, he only pitches about an inning or so every couple days. So the Astros are pretty much relying on nothing but rookies out of the bullpen and to start. So it's, you know, it, I think if they can coast their way through this season and make the playoffs, and who knows what can happen. Maybe you, maybe Verlander comes back healthy. Maybe these other guys come back healthy. Brad Peacock, Jose Arquiti. The Astros could be another team to look out for. How about the Tampa Bay Rays, who have been very unimpressive in their 10 games? They were they had started the season as many people thought the second-best team in the American League behind the New York Yankees. Tampa Bay's 4-6 and six this season. They can pitch, but the hope was the offense would be greater so far. The offense has been pretty bad with most of the lineup hitting under 200. I mean, they, they've lost a couple games to the Orioles this weekend, and, you know, I, I just I, – I was never that high on Tampa Bay. I thought they had a pretty good pitching staff with Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now. But I just didn't – I wasn't confident in their offense. I still thought the Astros and Twins, and even I think the Indians are the better team in the American League than the Rays. I think the Rays may be about fourth or fifth in the American League. <clears throat> then we'll move on to the Atlanta Braves, who've been pretty hot at 7-3. and three. You know, it's been a pretty bad start for Okuna Jr., but that's okay. Considering their young arms in the bullpen or in on their rotations, Mike Soroka and Max Fried have both start made two good starts. We had some interesting news the other day. Nick Markakis opts back in and he will return to the Braves in his quest. I think his quest is to hit three thousand hits. He's close, but I think he's about thirty six years old and he still needs about four hundred more hits. So I think he's gonna have to stick around for another two, three years to get that three thousand. But I think Markakis is a guy who's been very consistent, very healthy. I think he's going to – I think he could join that 3,000-hit club. 
that just goes to show that longevity is sometimes better than actual performance. Because he, I don't think he's a Hall of Fame type player, but if he gets 3,000 hits and that puts him in the Hall of Fame club, basically. It's seven is the Cleveland Indians who we've talked about. They're five and five, but with that pitching staff, and you still have Francisco Lindor, you know, I mean, Cleveland could watch out. Watch out for Cleveland, man. They got they got some tough pitchers. Shane Bieber, who was last year's All Star MVP. You still got, I mean, you still got uh, Zach Plezak, who's been very good, young guy. Um. Carlos Carrasco, and they got some good arms in that in that rotation. So Cleveland's a team to watch out for. Then you got Oakland at eight. They're five and four. They're not too bad this year. Washington Nationals been very underperforming after winning last year's World Series. They're three and four. They're running out number nine. And then number ten is the Chicago Cubs. <clears throat> you know, Chris Bryant is out with illness. Luckily, he tested negative for COVID. So we'll just see what happens with this year's MLB schedule. But I'm looking forward to it. And I just want to just thank the listeners out there. And hopefully we can um, hopefully I can get some, some more listeners for the next few episodes. And I hope we guys can, uh, can really get something going here with this podcast. I enjoy talking sports. So if you do too, feel free to <clears throat> email me any questions you guys may have at tee. I-T-U-P-W-I-T-H-T-Y at gmail.com. Again, for any mailbag questions, feel free to email me at teeitupwithty at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day and stay safe.